0: In the book of Obadiah, verse 6 and 7, it says, How Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out. All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men of Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau? And your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Temin, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. Today we're going to be going over the book of Obadiah and titling The Golden Rule. So the book of Obadiah, to really understand it, you have to understand really the a quick history of these two nations, the nation of Edom and the nation of Israel. Uh, Most of us know uh, who Israel is. We've been talking about them a lot the past few weeks. Uh, But if you've ever read Genesis, then you've read the story or you know the story. Uh, It's a very famous story of these twins, Jacob and Esau. Uh, And Jacob and Esau, they were, when they were born to Isaac, uh, whose father was Abraham. You know, whenever you talk about Israel, you talk about the Israelites, talked about the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When Jacob and Esau were born, born, Esau was born first, but Jacob was holding on to his heel when they came out of the womb. And this uh, sh- uh, sh- was a picture of how these brothers uh, essentially fought with each other growing up, and they have a wild history, uh, but they both depart uh, and create their own nations. The nation of Israel is the nation that Jacob creates when God changes his name to Israel, and he has 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel, and the, and the nation that Esau uh, creates is the nation of Edom. And so Edom is southeast of Israel, and they're a border country uh, with Israel, and they have a long history of fighting, uh, just like the brothers, Jacob and Esau, would fight with each other. Um and so these two nations were constantly bickering with each other, fighting with each other. Uh, they were border nations. Um, and so by the time this prophetic word comes from Obadiah, we're talking hundreds of years after Jacob and Esau, the people lived, uh, and now into their nations, the uh, Israel had already been judged. Uh, so that means that Israel had been conquered and defeated by Babylon. Uh, Edom had not yet fallen by uh, from judgment. And how Edom reacts to Israel being judged is essentially what Obadiah is about. That uh, Edom reacts how we would expect anybody to react when their rival is finally taken down. Uh, if you've ever had a rival, whether it be a rival company, a rival person, or Uh, just somebody that you don't like and something bad happens to them our natural human response is to smile Uh, maybe to do a couple of other things like talk about them brag uh, to them uh, you know kind of mock them maybe flame them on social media whatever it is edom reacts in how we would expect them to react when israel falls Uh, From because they were a longtime rival. But God is deeply angered by their reaction. And so Obadiah then speaks this prophetic word over Edom because of how they reacted towards Israel in their judgment. And we see God's response here in verse 10. It says, Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, or Israel, Shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. So God is so deeply angered by Edom's response to Israel, by Esau's response to Jacob, and you'll see that those two names used interchangeably uh, here in the prophetic word, that he actually calls what they did violence against their brother, Uh, So even though they were not the conquering nation of Babylon, they didn't lift a sword, they didn't send an army to help, they didn't come in and actually fight Israel physically, Uh, God says that what they did do after Israel was conquered was actually also considered violence against them. And so what did they do? The next verses are essentially the accusation that God, through Obadiah, levels against Edom. And the first accusation is this on verse 11. He says, And on that day you stood aloof. On the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. When Israel was being looted, captured, and divided, the accusation against them is that they stood aloof. They did nothing. And by doing nothing, God's accusation towards Edom is that they actually did violence against their brother. And because of that, they were like their captors. They were complicit in the destruction of Israel And they were complicit in their inaction. They stood aloof. They just stood there and watched it happen. And because of that, they were like them. They were just as bad as Babylon was. They were just as bad as the captors and everything that happened to Israel because they watched the destruction of their brother happen. But that is not all that they did. The list of grievances go on, and we're going to read them now in verses 12 to 14. Says, but do not gloat over the day of your brother in the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their captivity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads. To cut off his fugitives, do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. This is what God is telling them what they should not do. Uh, think about what we would do whenever something bad happens to rival. This is exactly what, they, what we would do. This, and this warning comes in to gloat over Israel in their disaster and misfortune to rejoice over their enemy in their ruin. Thank God, I'm so happy that they came to ruin, right? To boast in their distress, to loot their wealth after Babylon has come in and conquered. They then loot their wealth and and say, well, now is a good time to go in and take the things that we wanted to do to says that they entered into their city, meaning they went into the city literally to view the destruction as tourists, to kind of look around and look around the gate and kind of enjoy this praise and this rejoicing and this gloating and this boasting over the destruction of Israel and to not block their fugitives from running away. So what they we're doing apparently was stopping the Israelites from running away from Babylonians and in the process possibly selling them back as slaves to the Babylonians, or just saying, you're not coming through here, you're going to have to fight and watch the destruction. And so God is telling here uh, to the people of Edom that what when their rival is defeated, what you have done. Is not what is good in the eyes of God. God is severely angered by what Edom done. See, and he says, This is your brother. This is this is essentially your people. Yeah, you're a part of a different nation, but this is your brother, and you sat back and not only watched them get destroyed, which was just as bad as partaking in their destruction, but you also then, you went in and you looted them, you boasted, you gloated over their destruction, you rejoiced in their calamity, you in their ruin, you stopped their refugees from running away, you, you blocked off your borders to them. And God is deeply angered by this. God is not excited When we get excited over someone else's judgment. Uh, You know, it is very easy for God's people to look around and say, well, we are the righteous ones. We are the ones who do good. We work hard to make sure that we don't sin and uh, we stay in the good graces of God. And so when judgment comes all around us, we can look around and say, they deserve what they got. And we can rejoice in the destruction of others because maybe those people made fun of us. Maybe those people wrote laws against us. Maybe those people did things that were not in our favor. And so when their destruction comes, we feel justified to say, look at that and rejoice to boast and to gloat. But this is not the way of God's people. This is not the way of the Lord to take joy in the judgment of others. And in fact, not only is it not his way, but God is also angered when we do this. When one people looks at their enemy and sees their destruction and rejoices over it, this kindles the anger of God. How you react to your political and cultural enemies and rivals in their defeat matters to god this is going to be really important and is important right now because during up to the election what happens is you have one side something good happens and something bad happens to the other side and then this side is like hi i told you so and then the seesaw happens and the other side something good happens some bad press for the other and it's i told you so and in the process of that we have rejoicing gloating looting and all of these things that Obadiah speaks to the nation of Edom and says not to do that this kindles the anger of God. And so uh, we as God's people need to look at this, look at what is happening around us, look at our political enemies, look at our cultural enemies, maybe people that have persecuted you personally, people have persecuted your people group personally, people that have persecuted the church. And when we see bad things happen, how we react to that matters deeply to God. And so the first thing that Obadiah says here that they did after doing nothing was that they gloated. They gloated over them. And I'm just going to try to give some real life examples for a lot of these things that we see Obadiah speaking to Edom, do because I believe we have to bring this into today's day and age. It's incredible that as as I've been studying and reading the minor prophets, it really feels like these guys are speaking to us today. They are speaking today. Minor prophets doesn't mean that they weren't as you know holy or hearing God as good as the major prophets. It just means that these are shorter prophecies. They're not as long as Ezekiel and Jeremiah which are tremendously long books, but they are shorter books. Obadiah is literally a chapter. Um, and so the first thing that we see is this gloating that happens. And uh, to give you an example of how this can happen, I, I was thinking back to a few weeks ago when the fires were going off in California. California experienced some of its worst fires in its history. Thousands of acres of land was destroyed. People's homes was, were destroyed. Um, uh, people lost their lives. It was it was terrible. If you saw the the pictures of some of the cities, it, it looked like something out of uh, that movie Twenty Forty Nine, where it's just a red glow everywhere. It was terrible. What was happening? Uh, and in the midst of those fires going on, I saw a pastor posted uh, this. This meme and the meme basically said California passes a bill legalizing pedophilia. Just a week later, it is burning. Coincidence? Question mark. And in his uh, that was the meme, but then in his um, in his uh, content under the picture of that, basically saying this is no coincidence. God is bringing judgment, and he had a a rejoicing a kind of gloating term over this like for all you people moving to California this is what you should expect come back to conservative land Uh, and you know if you nobody knows whether the fires were judgment or not from God so there's you know that issue Um, and yeah there were many issues with the the bill that was passed when you're looking at that bill from many of you. I, I saw, posted about it, talked about it on social. Um, and if not, you can look it up online. There were issues with that bill, things that we would say, this does not align biblically with what is happening. And so they pass this bill. and these fires start. What happens? This pastor then begins to gloat over the state and over their destruction. and And this is literally what God is telling Edom that he is going to bring judgment to them for doing to Israel. See, there is nothing new under the sun. There is, we as humans have been reacting the same ways for thousands of years. It just looks differently today with technology, right? His caption was about how they deserved what they voted for. They voted for this. They deserve now the judgment uh, that they get. This grieves God. When we look at this state and if we think, oh if, if we think in our head this is judgment for God from God, let's say that that is true, what we should do is not take a stance of gloating. what we should do is take a stance of prayerful repentance for our brothers and sisters in that state. And when we take a stance of gloating, Because we are God's people and we are doing it right, we are actually missing the spirit of God in that. And we are no more acting like Christians than they are acting like Christians in passing that bill. And so what we need to do during this time is we really need to check our reactions towards our rivals and our enemies because there's going to be lots of seesaws there's going to be lots of victories and losses and how we react to people in those victories and in their losses is something that deeply matters to God the other thing rejoicing when the election comes and they give the results and your candidate wins will you rejoice in the ruin of your political rival and enemy It should grieve us to see one Christian rejoice at the dismay of another Christian or brother and sister because they didn't align with their political ideology. Right, there is is a difference between rejoicing because you think something good happened and then rejoicing in the ruin of your brother or sister. Right? We're not saying you can't rejoice if you think something good happened, but watch how your rejoicing unfolds as there will be half of our country grieving that day. Are you going to rejoice in the ruin of your brother and sister, in the dismay and the depression of your brother and sister, or will you be rejoicing because something good happened? Remember, in our rejoicing God is looking at our hearts at the intention of our heart at the intention of our posts at the intention of the things that we share on Instagram and Facebook at the intention of the things that we re- that we retweet what does our rejoicing look like in these times boasting to say something like this they were idiots anyway they how, how do you not see all the facts i knew we would win i can see that forming in in so many people's minds no matter what way the election goes and There's a documentary out that if you have not watched it, I I implore you, watch this documentary. It's called The Social Dilemma. It's on Netflix. And whether you watch TV or you don't watch TV, uh, I think that everybody should watch this documentary so that you understand what is happening today. And The Social Dilemma, one of the things that they talk about is how the polarization is getting worse and worse because of these algorithms that these social media companies are using so what what is happening is that if if you are left-leaning and there are lots of ideologies that you subscribe to the algorithm will pick that up on the articles that you click your search history the things that you have shared and what it will do is it will find other ideologies and other articles that align with that and it will make sure that your newsfeed is populated not only with those posts but also with those ads because one it wants money and two it wants your time the more time you spend on it the more ads that It will be able to feed you the more profit that it is going to make. Remember, our first week, it is all about profit. And so in this profit-seeking corporations of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube, all of these social media platforms, what they are doing is they are feeding us an echo chamber so that we are literally viewing different facts, quote unquote, than people of the right so that they are looking at people of the left and saying, we think you're going to like these articles, these facts, these stories. Then they are looking at people of the right saying, we think you're going to like these articles, these facts, and these stories. And so we are literally reading two different things And then we may be seeing like, man, I'm seeing so many articles about this. How do they not see that? How do they not notice? They're so ridiculous. They're so dumb. This is idiotic what they're saying. Don't they see all of these things that I'm seeing? And the truth is, actually, they're not seeing it. Because the algorithm is making sure that you are getting fed the things that are going to be things that you click on and that you like and they are going to be fed things that they click on and and they like and the algorithm is making a choice of what you will like and what they will like and what facts you see and what facts they see. So you are not getting the complete picture and they are not getting the complete picture. And so before we start boasting, before we start taking pride in the things that we're saying and looking at the other side, because boasting really is saying, I'm better than you. You are the dumb one and I am the intelligent one. Before we take that stance, we have to realize that we are living in a system that is causing our pride and our hate for our brother and sister to only increase exponentially as it has over the last 10 years and will continue to do as long as we continue to feed this system in our life. So before we begin to boast over the downfall, take pride in the things that we have won and the thing that our political rivals or cultural rivals have lost, remember the echo chamber that you are living in and the echo chamber that they are living in and realize that we are actually seeing two different stories, two different sides, and we are never seeing the other side and it is meant that way. It is built, the system is created that way, why? So that we can stay on our social media longer, we can stay enraged more and we can see more ads so that ultimately they can make more money. The next thing that we see that they did was looting. right? During the protest, there were people that were protesting peacefully and exercising their right as we did as a church. Then there were people that were protesting and looting. And we still see that happening today, looting businesses and corporations. And I remember when that was going on, uh, there's a lot to say about who's funding these looters and things that are happening around the country. Or, but that is a different thing. I think, again, we have to get back to who, what, what agendas are underlining the things that are happening uh, in the country right now. Um, but there were, um, you know, the, the protests were happening. I remember specifically one of my friends was in Soho when those protests were happening. Uh, a few months ago, and when SoHo was, you know, as the protests were going down, there were people throwing rocks at windows and kind of breaking into different places, and it was crazy. My friend is just kind of like one of those dudes that just goes out and video journals things that happen, Uh, and what happened was as the protest was going by, the windows to some of these big corporations were getting broken, Uh, and then people after seeing it broken, would run in and be like, well, this is a bad corporation anyway. We'll run in, take it out. And, and within like 20 seconds, this place was empty. I mean, everything uh, was gone. And then when the news reports came out about it, then you have everybody justifying well, saying, well, those are bad corporations anyway. Uh, they just are taking money. They, they don't care for the people, their workers and all that. And all, all that may be true. Right, Edom had a lot of reason to hate Israel, and all of that may be true, but it did not justify the looting of the country after they were destroyed. Right, it may be true that these corporations are terrible. It may be true, you know, that they deserve to get their windows broken. It may be true that they deserve everything that happens to them, but that does not justify. Then for us to go in and take from something that was not ours, or even to, like I said before, rejoice in them being looted. That grieves God just as much as the sin of those corporations and what they did and what they continue to do. Our response to God's judgment on another people matters to God we should never rejoice in evil, even if it comes upon enemy. And then this last thought that Obdiah has about how they entered into the gate. When it says they entered in, in the day of their calamity, I, I think I get this picture of the worst of our selfie culture. Um, I, and I, I think a prime example is like when Notre Dame was burning, you know, what did you see? You saw lots of tourists, you know, like picture look Notre Dame is burning behind me and that drives lots of people insane but you know I, I, I think of my friend who is who's like videoing and you know going around and kind of going into these stores and, and like look at what is happening here. Right, after the store, you had the store that was, the window that was broken, then you had the crew that went in and looted it, and then after that, you had the crew that went in and took pictures and videos of everything, of like, yo, look at what happened here. Like, this is crazy. And I think, like, imagine your house gets robbed, right? And you lose everything, and they break your windows, and they break your door. And then your neighbors come out, and they take out their iPhones, and they start walking around Insta-storing, like, yo, my neighbor just got robbed. This is crazy. Look, they even took the TV. Can you imagine that? Look at the hole in the wall. Wow. What? What? What would happen? You—that would drive you crazy. Like you have no sensitivity to what is going on. My issue, like this is my loss. I just lost my livelihood. I just—I lost my life—and you're here, just recording, selfieing, videoing all this. Like, what? What is going on? What are you thinking? And, And and the Edomites literally walked into Israel, looked around, just like. Look at that. These guys got destroyed. Look at that. Yo, did you hear? Did you see that house over there? Yo, go, go look at this house over here. Right? And, and, and this has become our culture where in, instead of helping, instead of grieving, instead of praying, what we do is we take videos and scream world star, right, instead of actually going to help our neighbor out even if our neighbor has been our enemy see we here's god's word to edom and it's a word for us today do not enjoy god's judgment on any people do not enjoy god's judgment on any people Never in scripture do we see God do this. Never in scripture is there a moment where God says he enjoys the judgment and the destruction of people. Never in scripture does judgment come upon a people and God rejoices over that and is happy about that and is gloating over it. No, never do we see that. In fact, we constantly see the opposite of God doing just that, that he laments over judgment, that he laments over calamity, that when it comes upon a nation or a city, that we see him lamenting what has happened, what had to come. One of the best examples of this is right before Jesus enters into Jerusalem and right before this city crucifies him, he stands on a mountain looking over the city. And he weeps over the city. He weeps over their destruction. He weeps over their coming judgment. He weeps. This is the same city who a few days later would crucify him to the cross and instead release a murderer on his behalf. This is the same city that would acknowledge that after he was whipped, after he was beaten, it was not enough that he had to be nailed to the cross. The same city who would kill his disciples just a few weeks later. The same city that was intent on his destruction. And what does he do knowing that judgment is coming? He weeps over the city. Here is God's judgment to Edom when we rejoice over our enemy's destruction. In verse 15, it says, For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. God is saying, You will reap what you have sown. When you experience defeat, hardship, and pain, how do you want others to deal with you in that? Do you want them to gloat, rejoice, and boast over you? Do you want them to come take a picture and be out after that to commemorate your suffering and your hardship? Or do you want them to care for you in the process of your pain, even if you didn't see eye to eye all the time? With all the political and cultural losses and victories ahead. Ask yourself, if you were on the other side, how would you want to be treated in loss? In verses two to four, we see God's judgment on Edom for reacting the way that they did. It says this, Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. He will humble us. With all of the pride and the boasting that Edom had, God will bring them back down to reality. He says, though you saw a lost- like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars. From there, I will bring you down, declares the Lord. You may feel like you are in an invincible position. Your party may win the Senate, the House, and the executive branch, the presidency. You may feel like everything is going your way. You may have all the things that you want. But don't forget how God deals with pride, that he brings humility or another word for that is humiliation. That He says to Edom, I will make you small among the nations. In James, he says, pride comes before the fall. Do not forget how God deals with pride. See, Jesus calls us to bear his image. Where he died for his enemies and lamented over them that we were ourselves enemies of the cross, Scripture says about us. But yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't look at us and say, ha, these idiots, I'm just going to forget them. I'm going to laugh at them. They, they're so ridiculous. They, they they are so dumb. I'm just forget them. He doesn't rejoice in our destruction. Instead, he laments, he cries, and he dies for our sin so that we can have a way out from the judgment and the wrath that we have incurred upon ourselves. I cannot stress how, it is, how important it is right now and in the season coming ahead of us to show the world a better way. One that does not take joy in the ruin of our enemies. This is what people should do that don't know God. But the people of God should lament. The people of God should show compassion. The people of God should run to their rooms in prayer. When we see a brother or sister or a countryman being judged, And we should take the posture of God's heart and ask God, forgive them for they know not what they do. Weep over the nation, weep over the cities, knowing that they will persecute you, knowing that they hate you, knowing that they do not live for your good, knowing as Jesus did that they would eventually kill him. How can we take a posture of weeping and prayer and humility instead of one of pride and boasting and rejoicing in the season to come. Church, that is the challenge that I give to you. That is the challenge that every time you wanna click share, every time that you wanna repost, every time that you wanna retweet, the challenge is, is this rejoicing, is it gloating, is it pride, or is it a heart of lament, of prayer and of weeping. Pray with me. Father, I pray that you would help us constantly deal with others how we would want to be dealt with. Lord, remind us of the words of Obadiah. Every time we wanna share, every time we internally want to rejoice that you would remind us of the prophetic judgment declared over Edom because how they treated Israel in the time of their destruction. That we would remember the prophetic word declared over them and that we would sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit and that we would turn our hearts towards you and that we would take the model that Jesus left us, that we would remember your character, how you never rejoiced in the destruction of any people in any country, but you are slow to anger, Father. You constantly uh, want for people to turn their hearts towards you and are saddened by the judgment and wrath that overflows. Help us remember the God that we serve. And Lord, how we can model walking like you every day, especially through this election season. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.